Welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric. And I'm Michael. And today we have an incredibly important and special guest, Mr. Peter Nanula, who is the chairman of Concert Golf Partners, which Eric and I are somewhat associated with. Right, Eric? I mean, yeah. We're, yeah, we're, totally. we're kind of his clients. I mean, normally we have clients on our show, <laughs> but in, in this regard, um, Eric and I belong to Muttontown Country Club. And I just want to give a real brief history on how this entire thing started. Our father was anti-country club. We grew up. We were not in golf courses. I did go. Eric and I both went to CW Post. Our father liked to gamble. Our father was a gambler. Our father and mom. Our mom is the largest uh, craps player on the Las Vegas Strip, which is not something that we're really – we're not really proud of it. But it is kind of cool that like every casino that my mom goes into, it's like, Phyllis, it's like Norm from Cheers, like Phyllis, welcome, the tables are yours. And our dad was never a golfer. However, I used to play a lot of golf in college because all of my friends, um, our backyard was Northern Boulevard. Nice. So we would play all the courses and everything. And then our father passed away two years ago. Um and the I first came thing, to Michael, yeah. I came to Michael and like, we have to do something completely different than what dad did. And, um, and then we joined Muttontown, I think like five minutes after you guys bought it. Oh, yes. fantastic. And, and, and I have to tell you, um, it's, it's not a country club. It is a resort. It is a resort lifestyle. It is when you think of country club, you think of Caddyshack, right? You think of the judge right. going, bruh, 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 bruh. <laughs> and it's just, it is so not like that. How was was concert golf your idea, right? Like, was was this your brainchild? Yes. So my partner, Susan Dunavant, who I don't know if you've met. She's our no. chief operating officer. No. So she and I hatched concert golf about 10 years ago. And I'm a, I'm a, I grew up on Caddyshack. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that whole vision is like from what? The 50s? And we yes. want to get away from that. Make yes. it more casual and fun and place where people want to go in the modern era. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, no, now, now the club is, I, I don't know, I can't speak for your other clubs around the country, but now our club is just filled with families and people connecting and, and when having we sat fun. down, when we sat That's down, for the, idea. when we sat down for the interview, it was this kid, Bobby, who we, we absolutely love. And we met Chris Bell, who's the GM oh, good. and they were, and we we're like, listen, we, you know, we're young. We don't want to be part of like this old stuffy atmosphere. And they're like, you're the family. You guys are want. perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and basically, Muttontown is is the hot place. I mean, everyone that we know in the North Shore of Long Island has been joining Muttontown because it's it's everything you want in a golf course and Fantastic. service. So really what, gratifying to hear you guys say that. Yeah. No, you. it's our pleasure. It's the truth, you know. Yeah. And and that that's what this podcast is all about. Is we 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 talk about what we like and we talk about. And we want to interview things that are interesting to us. So the golf business, the country club business, I mean, how did you get into that? So, so yeah, so this goes way back, 25 years. I was working for a New York-based private equity firm called Warburg Pincus back in the early 90s. So now I'm dating myself. I'm a lot older than you two characters. Just by a couple of years. Just, just a couple of years. Yeah, just a couple of years. Uh, anyway, I left because there was an opportunity to uh, buy a little company called Arnold Palmer Golf Management and be partners with Arnie, if wow. you can imagine. How do you like so that? I'm, here I am, 27 or 28 years old. I leave my job. My dad and my brother thought I was crazy. Why, why are you leaving this prestigious private equity firm right. to go do what again? Golf? Right. Yeah, well, I played college golf and I love it. And I think there's an opportunity to basically de-caddyshack clubs all over the country. I love that. Amazing. So Arnie and I did it like 30 times. We had a ball. And then I got out of the business in uh, early 2000s. 
went back to doing investing and sitting on boards and stuff. And then in 2010, if you guys remember that era in your business, yeah, the world was hurting. Golf was hurting. Banks wouldn't lend to country clubs. And a lot of the people in the industry were really uh, having problems. And so they, a lot of my old friends said, you should get back into the business. You always had capital and you guys did a great job at Palmer. So I called Susan, who you guys should meet next time she's at Muntown. I would love to. And sure. I said, hey, do you want to get the band back together? She said, yeah, let's do it. And so we've decided to focus just on upscale private country clubs mm -hmm. like Muntontown. Mm -hmm. Here we are 21, 22 clubs later. Amazing. And uh, onward and upward, yeah. So how do you turn around a club to become a profitable place? Like Entity. What? Do they come yeah. to you? Do you actively seek them out? Like You have to, you have to seek them out. Okay. And most of the boards of these kinds of clubs – even if they're having challenges with, you know, debt or assessments, you know, when you pass a big assessment, you run 20 or 30 of your members off almost every time. Uh, refunds, uh, just governance. Like people trying to run a country club who have jobs as lawyers, doctors, or, you know, transportation guys, mm -hmm. you don't know anything about it. And exactly. so you're volunteering. You, you got your heart in the right place. Hey, we mm -hmm. volunteered to be the treasurer of the board or what have you. Mm -hmm. You don't know a darn thing about it. And so you put in a lot of time, but it's a little bit like the blind leading the blind. Like nobody owns 50 fleets of maintenance equipment. Right. Nobody's an agronomist. And so it's all new to these people. And they you know, often are really successful business people, but they're just out of their depth trying to run their club. And they all are part-timing it. Whereas you see our team, like Chris Bell and our team. The best. We're doing this 60 hours a week. Like all we deal with is you guys saying, hey, you should you should mow the greens on the back nine tighter or the food didn't come out by the pool the way we wanted it. Like we're always dealing with these hospitality issues. And I just don't think you can do that as a part-time board very effectively unless name a super elite club on Long Island where there's a 100-person wait list. Glen, Glen Oaks. I think so Glen take a Glen Oaks. Right. They probably have $5 million in cash in the bank. They probably right. have no debt. And there's probably 100 people that want to get in there. Okay, well, fine. If the Alcone brothers, you know, say, we're out of here. We don't want to pay this next $20,000 assessment. See you later, boys. There's two other guys taking your slot today. Right. We will have no interruption in our business if you leave. Okay, right. well... That's not Mutton Town in most clubs. And so anyway, back to the story. They don't call us. We call on them and email them relentlessly. And sometimes they take our call and say, let me quietly tell you what some of the issues are at our club. Right. And then we engage in a confidential dialogue because they don't want to tell right. 200 members of Mutton Town, hey, we're thinking about getting some capital Can in here. Or some so yeah, they, right. did it, they do it quietly. And then usually when it gets to the final uh, stage where the members hear about it, then there's a vote and the members have to pass it. And we just did this in Denver two weeks ago. The members voted 304 to nine. They voted 97%. It was the same thing at Muttontown. Right. The members are like, please, thank you, board, for bringing in the professionals with the capital who know what they're doing. Right. You guys just go play golf and drink and eat like we used to. Exactly. And we'll just have a good time. What, at our I, lo what I love about um, Muttontown Club and what you've done at the clubs is – you're not a member and it's pay for play and it's, and you go there and you have fun and, um, and you don't have to worry about any of the membership type things where, uh, it, it's just, 
it's it's a monthly subscription. We, we shopped around. Have fun. Yeah. I just want to mention that like before we joined Mutton Town, we shopped around. Like we went over to I don't want to like compare, but like we went to Pine Hollow, we went to Woodside, yeah. and and they you know they were there were a lot of money, and they yeah. they there were a lot of minimums, and there was a lot of no offense, old people. And, yeah. and I'm not talking about in their fifties and sixties, I'm talking about in their seventies and eighties that were running the club. And that's just not the people that Eric and I and our families wanted to be hanging out with, right? We want to yeah. be with thirties and forty somethings and the price just didn't add up. I mean, I have yeah. a pool, I have a pool it just yeah. to, to go swim in their pool for X amount of dollars per year. Just, it didn't make sense to me. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a public course around the corner from us. We can go play there for you know, 50 bucks. Like it's, right. not, it's not that big of a deal. So then our, my sister-in-law, Eric's wife, Jen said, there's one last place and it's not what you think it is. It's, it's mutton town. And, um, I just, it, it, it was Thank you, Jen. What, hey, what do we owe Jen? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Jen, my wife used to babysit for a family that used to belong to mutton town in ah. the nineties. Correct. So, you know, that's how, that's how she knew about it. Yeah. yeah. You just put your finger on it. This sort of stuffy, exclusivity, lots of fees and charges so they can keep themselves at break even right. is the way that a lot of these clubs end up. And unfortunately, when the lifeblood of a club is guys like you. We want that next generation of people in their 30s, 40s, even 50s right. to replace the people in their 80s who are you know less able to play and, and, right. and enjoy the club anymore. And unless you make it appealing for guys like you, you kind of have a dead end club. It's just That's getting exactly older right. and grayer and less appealing. So our, have, hold on one second. Our request when we came in, we didn't care about the food. Like a, a, a cheeseburger is a cheeseburger. French fries are French fries. Our request was please have things to do for our kids. Have yeah. family game nights for kids. Have movie yeah. nights for kids. And Chris, Chris and Bobby and Jennifer Harmon, which big props to Jennifer. Great. They were like, we're, we're in it. We're doing it. That's exactly. And obviously COVID kind of put a, yeah, uh, a big. Makes it tricky. They threw so a wrench. I had a question. Everything. So, do you have a consistency of standards across all of your clubs? And if you do, how do you how do you deploy that? Because like we have ten locations with our personal business, we have affiliate partners. So you know the 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 struggle is always cons consistency of service, the same message across. How do you how do you manage that? Do you have a playbook yeah. for that. It's a great question. Same as any business like yours, it's in multi-unit, right? You've got standards, you've got training. We try to hire well, all the same things you probably try to do. Right. And then when you see Chris Bell meeting with our corporate team, that's a lot of what they're talking about is standards for delivery of the golf experience, standards for the food delivery, all of it. But you're right. Every club is unique. Like Mutton Town is, is different than most of our other clubs. Like Why Long is Island is different. So we Why? have clubs in Boston and Oklahoma City. And if you tried to put Chris Bell in Raleigh, <laughs> it's just a different vibe, right? And so the Chris, way we deliver the service in, and the experience. You could put Chris in Alaska and he'll survive. Yeah, yeah no, he's fantastic. But you're right. It is a little bit different everywhere we go. And like in the Southern hospitality thing is a little bit different with the expectation. And then you have a club like Muntown where some people are paying 20000 bucks a year. You know, we have clubs in Florida where your dues might be 600 bucks a month. That's really different. And so the standards of what the, you and those people are expecting, the type of golf course facilities and all that. But back to your point, Michael, like a kid's club. Let's just talk about what should be common at country clubs in the modern era. Like it's not just guys playing golf. It's like it's a family club. And 100%. so if your wife doesn't like it, she's probably not letting you join. <laughs> and if there's nowhere to put your kids – 
how the hell are you going to go out on Friday night? And so it's all part of the mix. And so I think most modern clubs are trying to pay better attention to that. And we certainly are. Mm-hmm. Were, were country clubs a dying breed before you kind of came in? Uh, that's what our, our so uncle. Did you change, did you change the, the, is, the aura of country right. clubs? Not just us. I think there is, uh, if you went to a conference like the kind I go to of the club industry, it would be hilarious for you guys to be there. Probably yeah. like me at a transportation conference. But if you went, you would see groups of people there who've been in the business for 30, 40 years, and they want the old traditions. They basically want it to be an older men's golf-only super elite club right. that has PGA Tour event, that has the greens at 14 on the stint meter, kids club, women before noon. What are you talking about? Like yeah. that's not what that crowd wants. Right. And then you'd find the new breed, and we're a part of it, but there's a part of our industry that's saying, hey, guys, we're not going to grow unless we remain relevant to people like you two. Like, what do those people want? There's whole segments about appealing to millennials and how do we attract oh, yeah. younger people? And we got Top Golf now. And what should a country club be? And in the last decade or so, I'd say we are part of that group that's saying, hey, come on, guys, let's make this appealing for that crowd. Let's listen to them. And if we can attract you guys and 10 of your friends, you're going to wake up in a year or two and there's going to be 50 or 100 people like you at every one of our clubs. Okay, perfect. That's what we need. And now other people feel like this is a welcoming club. We're not going to run it just for the 83-year-olds who used to dominate the board and never touch the women's locker room and never talk about kids' clubs and never do pool tennis. We just want the golf course to be amazing. That was the old world of the club industry. And if you have a wait list of 100 people... You can keep doing it. Yeah, you probably just keep doing it. How do you market... um, you know, Mutton Town was from my sister-in-law, who's like, you know, my, the lady she used to babysit for belonged to Mutton Town in the nineties. I would, I've driven, I went to CW Post. I've driven by your club five thousand times. Yeah. I mean, how do you market that? How do you bring that to the masses to say, listen, this is not the, you know, this is not your granddaddy's country club. Yeah. This is this is a young, hip, hot thing that everyone um, who's well off should be, you know, should be joining. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, our team, you should talk to Chris Bell with your guys' ideas because you're obviously good at the marketing angle. I I did, actually. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, he should be listening to guys like you. We don't have all the answers, but I would say that country clubs are a little bit different. You don't want to be out there talking price discounts and cheapening the 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 view of the place. But we do, you know, Facebook, Instagram. We try to go where people are nowadays. We try to host, like, open houses. Come sample the lifestyle. Come on out. That kind of thing where it feels like it's invitation only, social media. But we try not, you're not going to see a lot of ads for us saying 20% off. The golf industry has a tendency to do stuff like that that really cheapens the, the world. They, they appeal on price. Mm-hmm. And that's not the right way to go. You want to you want to basically give people a red carpet. Come see what members like you guys are experiencing with the kids club, dinner with your wife, have a nice time, fun golf outings. Mm-hmm. And see if it's for you, as opposed to the old style of. Did you know this is a member-owned club since 1910? And yeah, if you get patted on the shoulder by seven people and you play golf with the right folks in town, just like yeah. Judge Schmales, <laughs> that is not what people are looking for now. Like I spoke to Chris about it, and I don't know what he's done or not. But if I was running marketing at 
mutton town or or, or, or at a country club because believe it or not i've thought about it a lot because mm-hmm. i i always think about businesses and how marketing works and stuff like that i would because i know the people around here they love to have their pictures tagged they love to have photos of their kids taken they love and they love to show how they are having a good time i mean that's technically all social media is and i would have someone going around taking pictures of all the great things all the time that are going on at your club are you taking notes? Are you taking notes, Peter? I am actually right now. I want to make sure we talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because I feel like I just want to say that's what we've done. That's Eric, what we've Eric done took our, our Eric took our business. BLS was an exclusive. It's really interesting how it's this is kind of like the parallels are unbelievable. Unbelievable. Huh. So our father was a very private person. Our father wanted to run an elite service, and he did. He came here from Poland uh, via Israel. Uh, he came here via from from Israel via Poland, and. He built him and my mom built this global ground transportation empire. They are the largest ground travel service in New York and LA. And obviously we have offices in Vegas and Atlanta and everything, but our, our dad didn't want to be on social media. He didn't want to be um, in the spotlight. He didn't want our name in magazines. He wanted to be and it worked. It, it and worked. it worked. Yeah. And he took it from here to here, right? He took it. Yeah. He, he, the man came to this country penniless and wow. he became a self-made millionaire, a multimillionaire. Wow. And Eric and I said, we have one shot at this and we're now elevating our company. And the first thing that Eric did was he signed up for LinkedIn and yeah. go ahead, Eric. I mean, explain yeah, your strategy. No, you know, the, the strategy is that you the over what we do a lot of operational photos. So when we do an event or we do a premiere or we do anything or lately we haven't been doing much of that. So we've just been taking pictures of people that we're hiring back. Safety procedures. Safety procedures. And it's it's all about documenting day to day what you do at your business, how great you are. And then also we have our podcast that brings value to people like hopefully this podcast that we're doing is going to bring value to somebody who is maybe on the fence about joining a country club or who wants to know more about joining a country club or who's interested in um interested in the business behind golf which i know i am and the marketing behind golf yep. and i i just feel like taking pictures of everybody that is at the club in their um, element and then but, but because like because yeah. it's co- it's a community yeah. and then yeah. if you focus on the outer line community of the people that are there yeah susan is going to want to or no i should say bryce is going to want to go and hook up with Brittany yes. because all of her friends are there and they're going to yes. say oh we just had the white party and oh we just had yes. that and it's it's all about promoting all the great things that are going on at the club 24 7 it's it's content ad nauseum Yes. It's con- it's nonstop content pushing it out there. Take a picture of my brother and I teeing off at seven a.m. Post it online. Love it, love that, it. That that's yeah. what everybody has to see. Spot on, spot on. Yeah, some of our clubs. If you do what I do and join the Instagram feed and the Facebook pages of all of our different clubs, which you have no reason to do, you right. would see that some of our clubs do exactly that. It's just nonstop content of people having a ball at the club with all this and that going on, yep, and you yep. want to be a part of it. Junior golf, this and that tournament, this and that white party, uh, and it's faces and it's people with a sense of community. And and there seems to be a correlation between the amount of activity and the growth of those clubs. And I would say other clubs of ours, you know, they have varying levels of that going on. But we'll talk to uh, Chris Bell and the team at Mountain Town because you're, you're spot on. Yeah, that's awesome. And we, we've spoken to Chris about marketing. I, you know, if if I was running concert golf, I would have a head of marketing in each one of the locations, literally yeah. taking. And Eric, 
Eric had someone full time working for us, and obviously we had to let that person go. Um, but this is a full time position. This isn't yeah. someone that you take a picture of of someone take of golfing and saying, "Look at how much fun they're having in Mutton Town," and have the one picture you of the day. Eric, how yeah. many pieces of content do you post a day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart. Easily, easily twenty four. E- e- wow. e- easily 24 on a, on a, on a but it translates if, if, per, if day. Not more, per yeah, day per day and it translates to business but that's that's across linkedin that's across instagram that's across facebook and that's Fantastic. across Twitter. so and how's it, your guys's business been impacted during covid negatively we um, always said as long as they're making movies we will be in business well they stopped making movies yeah. And and that, you know, BLS is the primary car service to all the major studios and networks. Ah. So, you know, that was a huge hit to us. Now, you know, April and May were just torture and brutal and horrible. Um, now you definitely see an uptick in film production in New York. In corporate Los travel. Angeles. Yeah. Corporate travel is not coming back anytime soon. You know, like yeah. I doubt anybody in your organization is traveling right now. No. Um, yeah. And but uh that and that that's just the tale of the times right now. So we're lucky. I don't know if it was lucky or if it was skill or this is the industry that we always zero it in. That on. was the industry that our father said we have to focus on the film industry because it's kind of recession proof and yeah. you know w- corporate travel is not coming back and film uh, premieres are not coming back and the events are not coming back. But they're still going to start making movies and they started already. You know, we had a few um, big productions go overseas. And we're doing them. Yeah, you know? they're, oh, they're, good. Do, they're doing productions we, in Vancouver, our, Toronto. Our, our biggest city right now, surprisingly, and I this is kind of want to kind of pivot the podcast here, um, is Las Vegas. The city oh. is packed. Yeah, we have an office in Las Vegas. That was my MBA uh fine, that was my MBA thesis to start a business. And we bought a company in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is a golf mecca, yes, uh, in the world. And but you guys don't have a presence there. Clubs there. No. Why aren't you guys in Vegas? That's Can't find any clubs to buy. I mean, you really? you guys introduce us to some clubs in Vegas, and we're on. I, yeah, we know a lot of. Yes, we know a lot of. Uh, uh, interesting clubs there. there. There's a referral fee in it for you. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, fantastic. <laughs> we'll take anything we can. We'd get love right to be now. in Vegas. Yeah, we got to get in touch with the people who are on the board of a member-owned club or somebody who owns a nice private club that would fit with what we do. Right. But at the end of the day, it's getting access to that decision maker and we call them we email them right and they give us the heisman and so until we can actually have a conversation nothing happens right now vegas needs a shot in the arm and th- that city i mean it got it's been beaten by the great recession it's been beaten yeah. by the, the economic you know the housing crash um and now especially with covid vegas needs a company like concert golf to come in and pick up a couple of clubs because you know, it's got to get the economy moving again. I mean, you, yeah. you go to Mutton Town and you wouldn't even know we're in a recession. Yeah, the yeah place, exactly. place is packed. Yeah. It is packed. Good to hear. Yeah. So what? how does your club clubs compare to like someplace like a Donald Trump golf club? Like what is like what what's the difference between those two types of clubs? Good question. You know, I haven't been to the Trump clubs. I've heard decent things about some of them. Uh, we know people have worked at some of them that now work for us. Um, I wouldn't be able to say. I, I know the industry in general, and we know the competition right around our clubs because we're in a war with those people to find members like you and to do a better job. That's one of the reasons we're building the entire pool complex at Muttontown next summer when you come. Oh, yeah. It's yep. going to be sweet. Can't so wait. we have a whole million plus plan to make that place really cool next summer um 
but I don't know Trump's properties well enough to say, here's what he does well, here's what they don't do well. Mm -hmm. We're just doing our thing and trying to you know, pick up some more members. What makes you want to change a pool? I mean, we've been in Muttontown now for two years um, with very little complaints. Like the pool to us was fine. I'm, but what, I mean, the, your, the renderings that we saw were, un, I mean, it looks like, it looks like a pool in Miami beach. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be resort style. Yeah. A whole other place to hang out and play. We see the demand like the moms yeah. or the members with families and kids. You know, there's a lot of guys like you and me that just go play golf and have a great time with our buddies playing golf. And our first impulse, my kids are up and out of the house. My first impulse would not be pool now. Exactly. But when my kids were little, oh, yeah, like that's the only reason I could get a hall pass was to say, hey, let's all go to the club. And the kids are right. having a ball with mom and whatnot. Right. And now I can go play golf. So we know at Muttontown that there is demand. We know from your fellow members that, a lot of them are younger families with kids, and it would be a more robust experience if that place didn't look like the last time it had got fixed up was 30 years ago. And that's the truth with most clubs. Like things that haven't been touched for 20 or 30 years need to be touched. And if that means there's a water slide and a splash pad for the kids and there's cabanas out there where you and your Huge. wife can go out and talk with some other families and reserve a little area. Like now we're talking, that's like a resort, right? For the record, which would yeah. absolutely, you would destroy the area. No one else would go to any other country club. If you did this one thing, <laughs> this one thing, In, indoor tennis court. Oh, a bubble indoor. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you can put a tennis court in a bubble. You're writing that down, Peter. Because I am. That, that would be. <laughs> You would have because that's what that's what the women. Play. That's what that's what everyone on the North Shore our, wants. Our wives play tennis. All of right. their friends play tennis. If and there's you, no if, indoor tennis in a bubble anywhere on the North there, Shore. There, 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 there is. There, there's not clubs though. Like Robbie Wagner Tennis, which runs you know the Muttontown Club program, um, has an indoor bubble. Uh, Sport Time right here in Syosset, uh also has indoor courts, but they're not clubs. It's they're, like a it's like a wish list podcast. Yeah, this is like a wish list podcast. This, yeah. yeah. Great. I'm trying to think if there's a, can we get full, like, like, like Wagyu beef filet mignon? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, but we just, we're, we're closing on a club in Denver on Thursday this week. It's called the Ranch Country Club. Family Congratulations. It's amazing. Great club. You guys would love it there. Beautiful yeah. views of the, of the mountain range and all that. They have a tennis bubble with four courts inside and then yeah. four courts outside. And that indoor tennis bubble is what makes that club and their tennis program special. Yep. Those things are pretty expensive. Yes, they are. So we'd have to make sure that the demand for it, the leagues, the people that would be playing through the winter, that, that the economics would really work. If the economics work and we're the only game in town doing it, great suggestion. Yeah, you. I think That's you would be I, pretty much the only club that has an indoor court. Maybe one other around, you know, within 20 miles has it. What I love about what you guys are doing, you know, when we go to Vegas, um, we like to stay in a hotel that's associated with other hotels like, you know, MGM resorts. We'll stay at the Mirage. And if we want to go see a, a show at uh, MGM Grand, it's all under the same comp, right? Yeah. If, if we want to go to a restaurant and we want to go eat it, you know, Jean George at Aria, um, it's all under the same comp. It's all under the same one card. Yeah. You, you've basically done that right at concert golf where, you know, you, we have, we have places in Orlando. Uh, our kids were big Disney fans. Ah, yeah. And I know you, I think it's Heathrow and there was Heathrow a, and Legacy. We got two clubs in Orlando. Yeah. Right, right. So 
I've heard Chris has mentioned, or it was actually Bobby before he left. When you go down to Orlando, and we were were there obviously before COVID, we were there you know three four times a year. Um, you can go to the club and you could have privileges that you would at Mutton Town. Yeah, you're a member. It's that like that is unbelievable to have a network of of country clubs yeah. in ev almost every state, right? Only about five or ten percent of our members take us up on it. But you're a member of all these other clubs. You just look on the map. You ask your pro, hey, I'm taking the wife and kids down to wherever. Can you get me on on Saturday morning? Bingo. It's just like you're at Mutton Town. But I, I would say most people at your club don't travel, don't bring their sticks, don't view that as like something they do. Right. It's a 5 or 10%. tends to be younger. Right. People like yourselves who say, oh, this is fantastic. I'm going to be in D.C. I'm going to be in Boston. I'm going to go tee it up at these places. Right. Do you have any yeah. place in L.A.? Have you done Los Angeles? We yet? don't yet. We are about to hear this week on a club in LA that we've been working on for a while. So we, we will have an LA location. Cross my fingers. Cross here. all of our fingers. Which, which area in LA? If you can. Uh, it's north. So it's between uh, the the valley up toward Ventura Oxnard. So it's not like right in the middle of LA. Uh, okay. But we're still working. Like we just need to talk to people at the boards or the owners of these kinds of clubs. And to the extent you guys have this huge network of contacts, people who are your clients, people who you know in business, just say, hey, we have a relationship with a group that does country clubs. Do you mind if we have them call you? Bingo. We'll just pick up the phone and call them and see if, if they are interested in what we could do for their club. Before COVID, we were in Los Angeles every four to five weeks. I mean, we have a business wow. there. It's our yeah, it's our largest business, Los Angeles. And um, I also have a book writing career and a screenwriting career. So I'm I'm waiting on I'm waiting on the phone call, right? To say, okay, the you call. know, we're gonna buy from you. And um, nice. we always, uh, you know, we throw we throw huge parties in Los Angeles. We just threw this massive party last September, maybe yeah. it was October. We rented out the Hollywood Museum, right on, oh, yeah, nice. right on Hollywood Boulevard for all of our clients. We, you know, we're we're entrenched in the entertainment industry, and we always said, God, we wish we had a concert golf style club in LA that we can throw a big massive bar mitzvah style ish yeah. you gotta, you gotta, it's all about having the connections right yeah to get, exactly. that, to get that stuff done yeah right well we but, know some people in la even if it's not us there maybe we can help you out if you wanted to do it in a country club setting sounds like you did it in a pretty cool spot it yeah, people we, are still we talking keep, about we got to keep switching it up so yeah yeah, yeah right. but a country club obviously no parties right now unfortunately yeah yeah exactly no. So your business has been busy during COVID, right? You haven't yeah. seen a decline. It's amazing. It's, you would well, think it's, it's, been a, it's been a mixed story. Like golf is booming. Like golf has a monopoly on people's time right now because what the hell else is there to do, right? Right, sure. So that part's good. The bad part is, like you just said, the weddings and the bar mitzvahs and all that just went to zero. And those are big profit generators for clubs. Mm -hmm. But the whole food dining thing, which I don't know how you guys do it, but like some people just – grab and go. Some people sit outside and eat. In Mountain Town, you get that beautiful outdoor patio area. Mm -hmm. Some people like sitting inside and having like a nice dinner with your wife. Well, that whole thing is dead right now. And, yep. and to be honest, the club business is benefiting because that's a higher service, higher labor food and beverage thing, indoor dining. It's dead. So frankly, clubs are benefiting from the fact that it's more grab and go. It's mm -hmm. more outdoor now for dining, a little bit less labor. Golf mm -hmm. is booming, but we lost the wedding. So it's kind of like a mixed 
it's a mixed bag and we're doing fine. Thank you. We're just looking for more clubs that we can be involved with. Pre-COVID, how often did you visit all your clubs? Me personally? Yeah. So I'm mostly focused on finding new clubs that we can buy. And so when I go to New York to visit with a couple, three clubs we're talking to, like there's one 20 minutes out further from Mutton Town we've been in talks with. Is that East or West? On a Long Island podcast. East. Uh, and I'll go by Mutton Town and I'll see Chris and I'll see the club and we'll talk about the pool and what we can do coming up next, right? Right. And now right. we, now we got to talk about an indoor tennis puzzle. Um, but I generally don't just fly around to all 22 clubs, you know, every month and right. check them out because Susan and our whole team of people are doing that. I'll do it to fit it into a trip where we're looking for, for new clubs. Yeah. Okay. So you went to Harvard, correct? Yes. Okay. I, there aren't many people that I've ever spoken to. I think you're the first person on this podcast that's been. To Actually, Harvard. I used to caddy. At, I, used, I used to caddy at Woodcast Country Club, Ooh. Um, which is right around the block from Mutton Town. And um, one does of the cat with Harvard. Yes, it does because one, oh, okay. one of the right. caddies. Wait for it, Wayne. One, All of right. the, one of the caddies there was going to Harvard. So ah, that was actually I love pretty it. interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. used to caddy, and those were some of the best summers of my life as a kid. That's a great experience. I was, right? I was I was a chubby I was a chubby kid, and those summers I always dropped a ton of weight because I was walking. I'd be making great money. I you would had be, a roll of bills in your pocket. Yeah, I was. And then you're hanging out with these older guys that had all these great stories and stuff. A lot of sports players were. It was what was it called? Woodside. Now yeah, it's Woodside. Wood, it was. It was called Woodcrest. Woodcrest, um, and we used to we used to caddy for Bobby Nystrom, and you know, right. like yeah, all he the, was all neighbor. The, he was neighbors with. My, our parents yeah so yeah, we're all from the but, same you know, area caddying, caddying was great i would uh, my favorite was obviously two up two down so that was two putters and two bags nice and nice. I, I always preferred to caddy for women because they would hit the ball short and straight yeah and you don't right? have to go out in the woods chasing the guys bomb. guys would whack the shit out of it and and yeah. you, I, I was like where the fuck did it go you know, yeah, like, but you want the tips though too. Who are the who are the biggest tippers, right? The yeah. women, the women would take care of me, and like they would let me ride on oh, the back of the golf cart. Yeah, like. they they would let me ride on the back of the golf cart. They nice. would they would hand me bottles of water. The guys would be like, "Go oh, fucking ahead," you know. Like the guys didn't give a shit about anything. But um, you know, that's hilarious. Yeah, I loved I loved caddying. Those were great summers. That was a great experience. What was yeah, your... no, I went to Harvard and we played golf at a place called the Country Club in Brookline, Mass. Remember the Ryder Cup about fifteen years ago? Sure, Justin Leonard with that great putt. That was at the Country Club in Brookline, which is like an eighteen eighty two club that wow. is just epic. And I had no clue. I was some college kid who just walked on the golf team. Every afternoon, we'd pile into some kids beat up car and we drive off to golf practice. It was awesome. That was my intro to this whole world of golf and, and business was. Did you, do you, get to, do you get to play? Not much lately. My son kicks my ass now to give, give you the honest truth. My son is a senior at Boston college and I used to beat on him like mentally because I had played a lot of golf and he hadn't. And you know how that you have that sort of mental advantage and I could, I could beat him. And now he hits it, you know, three plus with, you know, three wood. And I can't, I can't hit it like that anymore. And now he's so much better than me. I thought, you know what? Maybe I just sort of quit while I'm ahead. So I think I played Seriously. twice this year. It's embarrassing. Uh, that's a shame. Uh, for, someone yeah. that, for someone that owns 20 golf courses, right? How many clubs? I should have? be out there more. You should be. I mean, that well, would I'm be just my... not going to play with him. How about we leave it there? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, no matter yeah. how hard I try, I, I can't hit it consistently no matter no matter how hard i try but no. what i've been told by everybody who's good at golf they just say that's the way that it goes 
Yeah, you got to put in the time. And now I don't right. practice much anymore. And I used to be pretty decent. And I look at my game now and I listen to my son ridicule my old man golf swing. <laughs> I just don't want to go out and be so terrible anymore. But at some point, I got to get over that. To me, I just I just don't give a shit. I love going out and with random people, with friends, with clients, yeah. just having a great time. It's, and just Martin, a it's, time. it's the it's smell. Just, it's the smell. It just, yeah. yeah just what, being is, in the, what, is that, what is that smell? It's intoxicating. Is, is it the, the trees? Grass. Yeah. It's the walk in the woods. That's a great thing about it. Yeah. yeah it's into- playing golf is intoxicating. And Eric and I always loved it. And it just, you know, my, our, our kids, we always say like, I used to play golf in college. And again, my, I had a, I have a friend, he's actually a neighbor. He, um, he belongs to Glen Oaks. His parents are legacy members there and everything. Yeah. And we used to play Glen Oaks and, you know, we would go to Heartland golf out in Comac and, you know, play the, play the, the pitch and putt at midnight and everything. It was fun. But, um, I, my, I have a 12 year old son now. Um, who he played in the PGA junior league last year, Mountain town. Nice. And he said it was the best experience of his life. He's not really a basketball player. He's not a football player at all. He'll play, he'll play Madden football online, (laughs) but not really. But, but with golf, he goes, dad, like it's your job to get it in the hole. You don't have people stopping you. It's all in here. This is an 11. He was 11 last year. He's like, this is him telling me that the game is all about you getting it in the hole where as opposed you to basketball right right you know if that's another thing if you want to the, the junior leagues the kids junior yeah. leagues yeah. i mean we i signed my son up and my daughter up this year and obviously covid happened and we couldn't do it but i gotta yeah. tell you those those kid golf games my children i know eric takes his kids two three times well, a week to play I, golf. yeah i take my kids all the time because there's no summer camp so and i know How you old were, your kids? my kids are 10 and 6. i have a 10 yeah. year old girl and a six year old boy and one thing that you have to do is have golf cart races for kids. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> That's why they're there. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You, the, the joy that they have on their face when you're in the middle of a hole yeah. and you're not near anybody and you say, okay, go drive the golf cart. Yeah, yeah. They, they just. What yeah. I love, what I love about golf, Peter, is that you're not thinking about business. You're not thinking about exactly. the irate client. You're not thinking about, God, did I leave the stove on? You're going. I'm getting it in the hole right now. I'm exactly. chipping this I'm chipping and then this 30 you, feet and, and then, then you miss you, it by a mile. And then it dribbles on. Right. Or, yeah. right, or you miss it by, and you just don't <laughs> care. In his you know? uh, Are you from fun. Boston? Are you from the East? No, I was there for seven years of school. I'm from California, so I'm back here now. We're from, Where we're in from California? Bay Area. I live in Newport Beach now. We're moving back to San Francisco early next year. We're working on a house there, and we'll probably uh, – nice. um, We'll probably buy some clubs in Northern Cal. So you have to, have I'm saying. Like, how can you not? Working on that. Yeah. Working on it. It's not we, as yeah, easy but... as you guys think. Come on, come on. So, so that, that, that kind of like, that segues into my next question. It's on Eric and my vision board, okay? And, you know, like, since we were kids, and especially now in the last, especially in the last two, three years, we have always wanted to own a country club. Is your goal to buy these build them up into big, beautiful resort places and then sell them to people like Eric and me who have the money to say, you know what, we want to own a country club with a few of our friends. Yeah, we don't have any plans to sell them, but uh, we just want to keep doing what we're doing. We love the club hospitality business and there's there's a lot of clubs that need our help. So I think we'll just keep going. But I think for you guys, we have some employees at our company who think, hey, I could do this. And you guys are perfectly suited to it because you get hospitality, you get marketing, service, 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 service. you see the role that it has in your life. Most of these clubs are kind of 
stodgy if if there's if there's a word like you could do a better job than a lot of the clubs and you probably have the capital find a club buy the club and fix it up the way it would appeal to you guys and and hire a really good team like the chris bells of the world to make it happen i think you guys would be very well suited to it okay i wouldn't say that about everybody but you guys have the right you guys have the right vibe for how to do it. And it's Thank a business you. just like your business requires a lot of discipline and execution. Sure. You gotta be on the details. It's like owning a bar or a restaurant. Like the clubs open like six days a week mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot to do and there's complaints and there's issues. But it's like you said, it's the walk in the woods. It's a community. It's where people go to have fun and be with their friends. How could you not like that, right? It's a really fun business if you are wired like you guys are. Yeah, I feel like it used to get such a bad rap, country clubs, and you definitely brought in a new vibe into the world of country clubs. Where it's it's definitely, it's more accessible because it's not member owned. And I think that's, I think that's the key that, that it's, it, it is a corporation. And I feel like that is, it's like, going to the movies it's 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 just it's so much more controlled and so much more fun and i think people tend to forget that life is also about having fun with your family and your friends and going to that's the value of going to these places and on top of it the the, probably some of the greatest value is the connections that you make exactly you know eric and i made friends forever like in the last two years people we've gotten we've gotten business country clubs yeah we've gotten business from country clubs we've gotten referrals lawyers accountants you know dentists exactly you know though that that everybody's there and everybody's there for the same reason they want to make connections they want to have fun they want to uh do all of those things and and that's the beauty of the country club and you're making it accessible for everybody and that's awesome bingo we just cut a new ad for concert golf starring the brothers. <laughs> Perfect. That's that's how we view the country club business. So, yeah. are you guys the future for all country clubs? Do you feel that is everyone that, else doing what? So, is anyone else doing what you're doing? Yeah, I think there's people that are trying to do pieces of this same thing. There's a few little companies, but compared to the world you're in, like you're in a really competitive business with a lot of people. There's in it. a lot of players. It's getting it's getting smaller though, Peter. Really, the, our a industry. Lot, there's a lot is, of blood in the water. There's a lot of blood in the water. We are emerging as the because leaders. of COVID specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone, all these, they took on too out. much debt. They took on way too much debt. They, yeah. they had yeah. too much metal on the road. And and one thing that my parents, especially our father, instilled in Eric and I, you have to be tight and aggressive, like poker. Yeah. You can't go and and buy 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 and then think about well these are only the good times. The, the good times will always last. When. Our father always prepared for the bad times when the good times were happening. Smart. And during during the bad times, he was always preparing for the good times. And that's what we've been doing the last three months. We've Smart. been preparing for the good times. Well, that means there's probably some little companies that you guys can buy in some places you've always wanted. Uh, to now, now we're going to get it for free. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. because they, yeah. they there are a lot of companies. There are a lot of big guys that are just way, way, way over leveraged. And, if business and they're teetering. If, if business doesn't pick up um, before January, which it's not. Um, it's not. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's not. Um, there's good. There's going to be a lot of uh, dominoes falling. Good for you guys. Yeah. yeah. So cool. no, we're just going to keep going. We just want to find more clubs. I mean, to be honest, there's four thousand private clubs in America. That's great. About thirty three hundred of them are owned by the members. Wow. So our universe isn't thirty three hundred, but there's probably a thousand of them in there right. that are perfect for what we do. Right, man. We only have twenty-two clubs. We we got a lot to do. We're we, in your infancy. Bring this, yeah. 
We can do this for another 50 years. Do you want to do, do you want to go public? I was just going to ask that. (laughs) I really don't. You don't. I don't know how much you guys know about the public markets, but my brother has been a big time public company CFO. And I know a lot of people who are in public companies. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you real real quick before you continue. um, My wife's aunt and uncle are uh, very wealthy. They own a liquid natural gas facility in Texas, Mm. in Houston. And he owned a public um, oil oil and gas company in his previous life. And I, you know, I was said to him, Uncle Michael, I'm like, Michael, you know, what's what's that like? And he goes, You never want to be public. Exactly. And, and and I trust this guy with my life. I mean, yeah. if he tells me do this, I will do it. If he says don't do, it, he's the most successful person I know besides my father. Okay. Yeah. And he said do not take your company public. You are exactly. at the whim and mercy of everybody. And you exactly. can't make, you, it's impossible to make everybody happy. That was. I don't advice. think you'll see us do it. Private is good for us. We've got plenty of access to capital and we'd rather just keep doing what we do as a private business. You okay, Eric? That my branches just came flying down off of trees because there's currently a hurricane going on. Oh, the hurricane coming through. Yeah. We're, uh, we, we just, we're, we're big into mediums and psychics and a medium just told us last week, Peter, that we're going to be moving to LA. So nice. he said he sees us in the Pacific Palisades. So like, perfect, you know, getting, getting out of this, getting out of this, this is fucking nonsense. This is brutal. <laughs> Peter, thank you for coming on. Peter, where can yeah, people yeah. find you? Where please send yeah, your- concertgolfpartners.com. That's the place to go. My number's there. My email's there. Would love to talk to people in the club, club world. Peter, whatever you guys are doing, you're doing an amazing job. Eric and I are so proud to be in your universe. Awesome. And well, we're glad you guys joined Muntintown. You guys are bringing a lot to the party. Best decision we've made in many years, I have to tell you. Thanks honestly. a lot. We're going to sign off now. Hang out for two seconds. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys.